couple quick comments, and then we're gonna, I'm going to have Joanne come up and speak. Uh, one, I just want to comment on Stephanie's dreams and stuff. You know, in the scripture it says our weapons are not of this world. They're, they're spiritual. And we very often really forget and don't understand what that means. It means that the things that, that, that God gives us in our imagination is some of the weapons that we use. So when you see things and things come into your mind and you think, well, that's really weird, and God kind of avails them to you, I'd suggest you use them because they do have power to break strongholds and release things. And that's how God works. I know that seems a little strange, but that's how he works. He does things that we don't uh, expect. Second thing I want to say, our prayer call. We have not been having many people come to our prayer call. If you believe what the scripture says, that two or more come together, he's in our midst, it, it means that. And it means that when we get people to pray together, we help one another. We can pray. We pray for one another. We pray for the church. We pray for the city and the nation. I need you guys to come do that. You don't have to pray the whole time, but I really need people to just, you know, get out of about your TV for a bit and get on the phone and do that. Now, that's kind of runs in with what, what Joanne's going to talk about. She's talking about coaching. Coaching is, uh, uh, I don't know a whole bunch about, but I do know about going after certain things that, that, that I believe that God's given me and to get them. Uh, I want to say this. What she's going to ask you to do is a whole heck of a lot of homework. It really will. She's, she's going to give you more homework than you really ever wanted to have. But you will get as much out of it as you put in it. You know, I, I was very successful at one time. I used to gross between 250 and 350 a year. And what I did, why I was successful, is I would do what nobody else would want to do. If you want to have nothing, then do nothing. If you want to have what the, what the average person has, then do what the average person does. If you want something more, you have to do more. If you want to be successful in anything, whether it's your business realm or the kingdom realm, you have to do things that other people aren't willing to do. You have to do the 12 and 14-hour days. You have to spend the three hours in prayer. If you really want those things to happen, you do. You can't just sit there and say, oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord, and expect him to do it. Every blessing I ever had, I can say without a doubt, out of doubt, came from God. It wasn't what I was looking. I wasn't looking to make money. I was looking at excellence and doing what I did the best. I wanted to be the best at what I did. You know, that's what you're going to have to have for this to do with Joanne. You're going to have to sit there and think, you know what? I've got to give up some stuff that I really don't want to give up. I have to do some things I really don't want to do because I want this. You know, the scriptures are very clear. You know, many are called. But many of you know, when, when they send out, I, I have, I full-heartedly believe there's Abrahams. All kinds of people are called to be Abraham. All kinds of people are called to be Isaacs and Josephs and, uh, and the scriptures. But most of them didn't take the effort. And they're not, they're maybe written in the book of life, but you don't read them in the Bible. You don't read about them. You don't know anything about them. They, they, they just, they, 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 you know, I'm sure they make it to heaven. There's a place way out on the edge there for them. But if you want to be in the place and you want, well done, good and faithful servant. If you want to be that, in that place that, that, that when you stand before him, you can know that you did everything that he called you to do. That's going to take one heck of a lot of effort. The world has told you a lie that the world's easy. I've been in business realm. I was a businessman for a long time, and everybody I knew was successful. Man, they, they were unstoppable. Nothing would stop them. They never took no for an answer. Well, something was in front of them, they were going to figure a way around it or knock it down. One of the two. Same tenacity you have to have to 
be successful. Same tenacity we have to have. This little tiny bitty church, some of the people in there had that tenacity. Some of them were hoping for it. You have to have that. You have to go after it. You have to be, I'm not going to be stopped by anything. I'm willing to pay the price to do the work to get what God called me for. Because God wants to bless us. But you know what? If any of you have had children, you're not willing to give your kid every single thing because what happens? They become spoiled brats. You want them to come up to the realm of pressing and doing and trying and developing that. God's a very good father. He's the same way. He wants you to be a people that goes after stuff. So I I really wanted that. So what she's going to tell you today, and she's going to be speaking once a month about it and giving you homework, and the things I speak about on Sunday will do zero good if you just listen to them. I will going to go a step farther. I've told you this before. If you hear something, you're accountable for it. If you listen to what God says for you to do and don't do it, you're accountable for not doing it. So you better put your fingers in your ears or get busy, one of the two. <laughs> Otherwise, you're coming under judgment. I mean, I, I literally, this is the honest to God truth, and Karen can vouch to this. I look at, when I get through scriptures, I don't read tons of it. I read small parts, listen to it. And I try to see it come into my life. And I don't read more because I don't want to go farther than what I can actually have in my life. Because I'm responsible for it. It's my job. I have to be able to do that. That's how I look at it. That's how God looks at it. And uh, and he looks at the same for you as it for me. So what you're listening to, give it all you've got. You know? And if you have trouble doing this stuff, ask the Lord, help, 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 help. It's my favorite prayer. So this is Joanne. Joanne Town, and she's going to be your coach. Hi, everybody. Um, my name's Joanne Town, and I am a life coach, and my company is Life Quest Coaching. And we are going to begin, this is a pre-session to the workshop we're going to be starting a month from now. And it's going to be the last Sunday of the month. Except for when it's a fifth Sunday, because I have another obligation on every fifth Sunday of the month, so that will be the fourth Sunday. So it's going to be the fourth or the last Sunday. If it's only, if there's only four Sundays in the month, let's just call it the fourth Sunday of every month, okay? Because it says last Sunday on your paperwork, but it's going to be the fourth Sunday, so there's no confusion. Am I okay? Oh, my hair. My hair. Okay. Sorry. Second? Yeah, your hair was brushing against the mic. So okay, I was wondering about that. Okay. okay. I forgot to bring a spring. No, no, I haven't. Okay. Okay, so we are going to be doing a destiny workshop. And hopefully everybody here is going to come away understanding their life purpose and actually completing a life purpose mission statement. So I just want to start with a little story. Um, has anyone heard the story of the clay ball? Okay. There was a gentleman who was walking along the beach, and he found these um, hardened clay balls, like somebody had formed clay balls, and they were dried out in the sun, and he went into a cave and found this bag of them. So he was intrigued, and he takes the bag out, and, you know, they're about the size of a tennis ball, so he's walking along the coastline like here, and he just starts tossing them into the water, And as he's doing that, he drops one. And as he drops it, the clay shell breaks, and inside was a a precious stone. Now, he had thrown about 40 or 50 already out into the water. So 
as he keeps breaking each one, he finds more and more precious stones. And, uh, you know, he had this understanding and revelation how, which hopefully all of you will as well, that we are not just our outer appearance. We're not even our history. Inside each of us, there is precious treasure to be mined. You're each a jewel in the Lord's eyes. And hopefully, as we go through this process, you're going to find some of the facets of that jewel and understand exactly how God wants you to radiate his presence and an aspect of his character as you fulfill your calling in life. So just to tell you a little bit about me, I uh, have some background with um, healing and inner healing and deliverance ministry and had been doing that for many, many years. And a few years ago, the Lord uh, took me into life coaching because it happened to work very well with my own giftings and my gift mix. I've also been trained by Grace Institute as a spiritual mentor. And my life coaching um, was done with life-forming leadership coaching. And that is headed up by Dr. Joseph Humidi. And it actually started as a postgraduate class at Regents University. And it was their most popular class, and they couldn't keep their students in it. It got so full, so they finally asked him if he would start his own company, and that's what he did. So it's based in Virginia Beach, and it was a one-year program that I took, and I flew back there and back and forth for a few times. And that's where I got my life coaching certificate. So we are going to start by answering a couple of questions. I want to take you through some basic understanding of what life coaching is. Has anybody here ever had a life coach? You have, yes. <laughs> you have. <laughs> Josh is my client. That's what he's saying. <laughs> so we're going to call on him last because he already knows all the answers. Okay. So um, <laughs> why don't we go to the first uh, slide? Okay. Oh, that's the last one. Oh, we're backwards. <laughs> there we go. So we're going to answer a couple of these questions. Uh, in terms of what it was as a life coach, has anyone ever had a sports coach? Has anyone ever been an athlete? Has anyone watched the Olympics? Okay, everybody's watched the Olympics. Okay, we're going to start there. What do you think are some of the things that a person experiences or benefits from by having a coach? Just use sports coach as an example. Encouragement. Okay, I'm going to write these down. In the future, hopefully, we'll have these on PowerPoint because my handwriting is not the greatest. Accountability. Accountability, yep. I couldn't hear that? Guidance. Guidance, okay. Okay, if it wasn't sports, though, what, what would you say other than exercise? How would you trans? Discipline, okay. Um, okay, any other thoughts about, yes? Uh, either release or motivate is the greatest. To motivate, yes. For sports, just use technique. Technique. Okay, what else? Take that, expand that from technique. Skills. Skills. Training. 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 I know there's coaches that are very tough because they see the potential to so push. The practice and the exercise mm -hmm. that they know can be accomplished in order for them to reach success. Right. 
Very good. And when he said technique, the way I would translate that is with life coaching, um, we are able to assess what your strengths are versus your weaknesses. And any coach, sports coach, is going to emphasize what you're really good at and try to minimize your weaknesses. Now, when you work in a team, then you can get support, for, you know, in your weaknesses. But we always want to work on maximizing the, your strengths. And why do you think that would be? Well, if you're on a team, but also because your energy is going to be where your strengths are, not where your weaknesses are. It's always going to require a whole lot more of you if you have to do something that maybe you're not as strong at. When I, when I was the director of the healing room, I was sort of chief cook and bottle washer, you know, and I mean it. I mean, really, you had to clean the bathrooms. And <laughs> we've all been there. But, you know, my, my strength was really at motivation and the training part. Did not love the financial end of things. You know, that was like I would just come to those books and I could just feel the life sucking out of me. <laughs> and finally, I got somebody else that was better at it. So that's the kind of thing I mean. A coach is going to be able to um, really point out your strengths and maximize them. Okay. And if you want, take these down because this is not going to be on there. Okay. So do take, your, take notes. Make sure that when you come back for these sessions, you bring a notebook and bring all your homework assignments because we're going to eventually break up into small groups and you're going to utilize your homework. So like Gary said, to do coaching, you will only get as much out of it as you participate in, okay? Because one of the key things about a coach is that they do help you facilitate change, but they do not tell you what to do. So um, your investment is going to be what you get out of it, basically. Okay, so that's a little bit about life coaching. Basically, we're advocates, and we function as a support system. Yes? One more quick example from the Olympics in the uh, speed skating in one of the races, the Dutch skater, who was about oh, yeah. a minute ahead, right. far ahead of anybody else, right. when they go around each, at periodic intervals, they have to change lanes. Yes, And you Excellent. see it, and the commentator said it. He was supposed to change lanes. He came up to the dividing line. The coach didn't tell him right. which direction to go, left or right. right. He was indecisive. He stepped over to one in the wrong lane. He got disqualified and lost the gold medal because he was like, what, a half away around. Did anyone see that? That was really depressing. The thing is with a coach, the difference with, with that, the, the, what we would call the coachee, you know, that was the athlete, he submitted himself to his coach to be allowed to be told, change your lane here. If my client does not give me that permission, I can point a direction, but I can't tell him what to do unless he has told me I want you to hold me accountable to my lane change. Okay, that's the difference. Because he was his sports coach, he held himself accountable to the change, and actually the athlete himself knew he should change, and he watched his coach, and the coach told him the wrong thing. That's what happened. But the point being, I will not tell you what to do. I can say, here's what's going to happen if you go this direction. Here's what's going to happen if you go that. This is the gold. This is dead-end disqualification. You just wasted four years of your life, you know. But you still ultimately make that choice, right? Okay. Um, so to answer about what is life coaching, what it, let me tell you what it is not. It is not mentoring. It is not counseling. 
and it is not therapy. It is none of those things, and I've done all of those, <laughs> but it is not that. And, and a coach has to know when you need to pass that person on to someone who's really more qualified for certain things like that. Basically, what life coaching is, it's a transformational conversation that empowers change. And as I said earlier, we do not tell you what to do, but we can help you grow by taking you through the life coaching process, which I'm going to explain a little bit more about. And now we have the um, last, the next slide. What can coaching do for you? It's after that one. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to go into detail with these because I, I want to make sure we have enough time. But these are some basic things coaching can do other than life purpose. We can help you accomplish short and long-term goals, foster your spiritual growth, develop personal growth, and what we're going to focus on here is discovering your life purpose. And I think my website is on your pages. If not, I'll give it at the end. That goes a lot more into the details of how we cover some of that. So if you're interested in other forms of life coaching, um, my webpage will explain that to you. Okay, so next we're going to talk about what coaching can do, uh, do for you and how it is done. Okay, through the use of powerful questions and coaching resources, we have assessments, things like that, you are able to reflect and listen to your own life. That enables you to gain insight or what I call transformational intelligence. That will help you to make quality decisions and accomplish objectives, which can include dreams, goals, life purpose. That will reflect your own values, and that is a key thing that we're going to be getting into is determining what your values are. And every one of us have values. They are innate. They are autopilot. You make decisions every day based on your values without maybe being aware that you're making a value choice. And it's important to know those things because it's going to save a lot of time, trouble, pain in your life if you know ahead of time what your values are because you can make reflective choices based on that rather than realizing five weeks into something, oh, this isn't working because it really doesn't work with my value. If you know ahead of time, these are my values, you can, you know, head off a lot of problems in the future. So we'll talk about that as we go along. Okay, um, we're going to talk now about what the coach does, how I do this. Normally in a coaching process, it's a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing, but we're going to be doing it as a group. So we're, I am going to be presenting some questions, but we're going to have to use a lot of the reflection exercises, and then we're going to come back and kind of harvest some of that material. But basically, I'm trained to intuitively listen. I'm trained how to ask the right questions. And I then give feedback. I give my observation. I will brainstorm with you. And eventually, as you go through this process, you almost learn how to self-coach uh, because you start to understand, okay, what do I need to ask myself here? So the coaching process has more to do with asking questions than it is for me giving you answers, but you actually have the answers. It's just knowing how to dig deeper for those answers. Okay. Any questions so far? Okay. To the next screen, I just want to go over really, really quick. Those are the things that we do. And I just want to show you real quick about some scriptures but, um, before we go to that next screen. Anybody have any ideas of? Scriptures that pertain to life purpose that the Lord has spoken in the Word. I know something happened 
give you a future and hope. Absolutely. Jeremiah 33, 29, 11. Yes. Speak loud. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Oh, lean not into your own understanding. Okay. Okay. He will direct us. Absolutely. Great. Great scripture. Any, anybody else? Sure you can. <laughs> and uh, in Romans chapter 12, all this uh, list, uh, list of gifting that people have, whether it's a teacher, uh, prophesy, to mm-hmm. uh, exhort, to uh, instruct, uh, yes. so, so um, those are all different types of gifts that can be trained by someone who knows how to bring out those gifts in a person. Exactly. And actually, he's talking about the Roman 12 motivational gifts, and every one of you have a combination of those gifts. That's another innate Thing, you cannot help yourself. Just to give you an example, if you're, you have profit as your primary, you're going to have a tendency to black and white behavior. You're not going to have a lot of patience for people that are dragging their feet. And it, 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 you just can't help yourself. But what happens is, <laughs> so, you know, you have that, and then you have the person over here, like Sibby with a mercy gift, who is going to be so compassionate and so understanding and so patient. And God's made all those. And, you know, Jesus was all seven of the motivational gifts perfectly, and we're not. And it's sometimes the tension of those gifts that is where God develops our character, develops our fruit of the Spirit. And understanding these gifts um, and some of the other things that we're going to we're going to get into on on how you're designed really helps you to understand I am the way I am but not everybody else is like me I remember when I took a personality test way when I was a young Christian it helped us so much in our marriage because I totally understood now why Rick wasn't like me (laughs) because we are complete opposites absolutely complete opposites I just couldn't understand you you don't even understand how the other person's thinking because they are thinking based on their gifting. So that that is an excellent one. You had one also? Oh, yeah, that I was thinking that I can do all things uh, uh, to Through Christ Christ's. Jesus mm-hmm. because he strengthening. Yeah. So also very good. Yeah. You want to show the others that we have, Sebastian? Um, how about I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly? An abundant life is found when you are in the sweet spot of your life purpose. When you are off life purpose, something's going to feel like something is missing. Something is not right. Um, you've been predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. Um, and you were called according to his own purpose and grace. And we already spoke about all things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. So those are just some others. There's plenty, but I just wanted to give you an idea. God really had in mind you're fulfilling your life purpose. He, he came partly for that reason, because otherwise we could get saved and you might as well just set up a firing squad and we can all go to heaven, right? What, why are we here? <laughs> I mean, why are we here? If you think about it, it's not because this is purgatory. It's because he intended us to be an expression of him on the earth. He reproduced himself in you. And you don't, you have all of him in you, but you are only going to have a certain amount of expression of him because of how you're built. So it's really important to identify your life purpose. 
Okay, now we're going to go to the next slide and talk about what is uh, going to be the legacy of your life. That is the key question that gets answered by understanding your life purpose. And I want to thank Tom Schwabe for the beautiful messenger angel that we have because that is you with wings. Your life purpose, when you understand it, it is going to put a draft under you and you are going to be able to soar into what God has called you to do. And we're going to use this diagram to talk about the compass within you of life purpose because there are five key things to life purpose. So if you'll follow that diagram, you don't have it in your notes. I may have given, did I give you a cross in your notes? I don't think I did. But you can take the back sheet and you can draw this out. And if you want to be simple, you can just draw a compass and we're going to cover. Um, so let's go to the next slide. And Mr. Sebastian here helped me tremendously all week. He did this whole PowerPoint for me. Thank you, Sebastian. Oh, we're back one. Back one. Yeah. Okay. What we're first going to talk about is your experience. This has to do with your history. This has to do with everything up to now in your life. So give me some thoughts about how does experience, what does experience have to do with discovering your life purpose? How could it be a clue? Positive experiences would be uh, probably where you have your strengths. Uh, how do you mean that? Well, you're saying how you say how does experience prepare me? So if I have positive experiences, those are going to be the things that I excel in. The areas that I excel in in my life. Excel because and why would you excel in it? Because. Let me just give you an example. Like, let's, let's just say um, you have a really strong mercy gift, but you have a bludgeoning set of parents. You have a really negative experience, but you have a strong gift. So it doesn't always, for this purpose, that doesn't always equate, but I'm trying to get at what you are saying. Are you saying that where it has worked out and you discovered yourself that, hey, this works for me, you can identify from that. Okay, so that, yeah, that would be true. Yes? Well, it's also positive in the sense that your heart, you know it's right. It feels good, even though you don't necessarily have a good experience. God puts things on your heart for a reason because that's your gift. That tends to be your gift. Okay. Okay. So what you're drawn to. Okay. Yes? Absolutely. So taking a weakness and turning it to a strength. Anybody else? How about where... Oh, go ahead, Josh. Experience, another word for experience can be, let's say, the story of your life. If you can see the story of your life, then you can see what God already has planned out for you. Sometimes we work against the story of our life. There is a story going on, but we're not in tune with it, so we're constantly going against it. But we can learn what the story is i.e. experience, we can go with the story and right. go much quicker. Right. You're in the flow. Okay. What about childhood? What from your childhood might be able to tell you? Think creatively. What from your childhood might be able to tell you? Well, stuff you love to do, like if you like to paint a lot of right. kids, or if you like to play the piano, even though you didn't have lessons. Yes. If you like to build things, or right. park computers, or stuff like that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I live... Um, like 
Since I can remember, I would say when I was very little, I was able to see demons and angels, and I was constantly freaked out, and my family had no idea what to do. So your your spiritual gifts became evident when you were young. It was um, very hard for my family to to help me in my gifts. Right, they didn't understand it. They helped me. They don't even know Okay, very good. Yes. Um, something similar to that. I'm sharing Lotus this morning that even as a child, as early as seven, I was so fascinated with um, the supernatural, and I remember I was very inquisitive. I used to always ask my grandmother. You know, can, can God do this? Because she used to tell me that, yeah, God can, Jesus can do all things but fail. And at that, I'm like, really? Well, can he do this? Can he do that? Can he move a rock? And I was fascinated with that. And as a child, I believed, wow, God can do right. anything. And, and and I see that as an adult, but I've always been fascinated with, um, okay. you know, supernatural. So all those are true. Um, what about suffering? How about your uh, any history of suffering? I have that, <laughs> and uh, uh, I remember that uh, I experienced all the time the nightmares that I like to always uh, hide and run and escape from uh, uh, the hunters that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were hunting me all the time as a little girl, and uh, um, uh, also uh, the abuses I went through were blocking and hindering my gifts, what the Lord put it in me, and uh, uh, in my age 42 was when the Lord uh, stirred up in me the gift which was actually loved by the enemy right. uh, during those abuse times. So you had a redemptive experience eventually yes. from your suffering. So looking at your sufferings, if you haven't yet experienced the redemption, that sometimes can become a block to be able to actually apprehend your life purpose because it's what we call dream busters. It's sort of like you go back into the old thinking and you're still stuck from the experience of, say, an abuse or a suffering rather than having been able to have been comforted and healed from it and actually become someone who becomes a deliverer maybe for others. So the full cycle of experience is that you would come into a deliverance experience to deliver others from the very thing that you experienced. A couple of others, looking for places where God's hand, you just know God's hand was in your life somewhere along in your history. Places where you've had to endure. whole other category is character development. That, that can be enduring and suffering too, right? How about wilderness experiences? So in Hosea, when it says, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and comfort her there and give her her vineyards from there. So your actual fruit often comes out of your your own wilderness experiences. Um, Significant life-changing events. It can be something very, very traumatic. Or perhaps you, um, our former pastor was, um, uh, his wife was a child of somebody in the army. So all she did was move and move and move and move and move. And one, she's the greatest person to call if you have to pack. But um, she, you know, she understands how you have to rebuild really quickly and how you have to build relationships quickly. But also maybe how you, you can't always hold on. So her life, you know, prepared her for some things that happened later in her adult life. 
So childhood games. Another thing that nobody mentioned, which really surprised me, is your prophecies. You've had prophecies over the years, and those often, you know when you get a prophecy that feels like an aha versus one that just drops like a lead balloon? That aha is because there's, it's stirring something in you. Okay. So childhood games we talked about. So we're going to go to the next one. And the next one is design. That's about who you are, innately who you are. So what kind of things would come into play there, do you think? Personality, absolutely. Likes and dislikes, uh-huh. Sometimes, yeah, your physical or, or physicality in general. Like, you know, somebody who weighs 300 pounds is going to be a shot putter, and somebody who weighs 120 is more likely to be a figure skater. You know, I mean, there's, there's a certain amount that gets restrained, but not, depends on the area. In sports, that's definitely true. What else? Mm. You. Okay, well, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the one that, that I thought of, because uh, it was somebody that's significant the way that you have been to go into a Protestant church, and that'd be terrible, <laughs> was a, a, a guy named, a musician named Alex Acuna uh, from Peru. I don't think he has any formal training, but he was born and learned in hearing and talk with rhythms just in his body. Exactly. And able to manifest them in, in incredibly different ways. So that's just the So your talents. Your talents absolutely yeah. is by design. They can be developed, but um, in fact, I don't know if any of you watch American Idol versus So You Think You Can Dance. And Rick and I talk about this contrast because with American Idol, yeah, there is vocal training, but pretty much you got the chops or you don't have the chops, right? And yes, with dance, there's a certain innate disposition, but it seems like the people who are dancing have way, 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 way more training that they have to do in order to succeed than somebody who just can sing at the drop of a hat. That's what we've observed. So, uh, but there's still that inherent desire to want to do that. Your gifts, your Roman 12 gifts, definitely. The first Corinthian gifts, anybody can walk in there as needed for the circumstance. But that's what we talked about earlier, the seven motivational gifts, you know, prophet, teacher, exhorter, all that go there. Um, and you might want to take a look at those before the next time. Those are inherent. You are built that way. You come out of the womb that way, basically. Um, and you're going to see that, you know, if any of you have ever had kids, you're going to see at a young age, you see their predisposition, you see their personality predisposition, where sometimes... You have to watch for, th for that is, uh, let's just say, for example, like I, I score highest on profit in the, in, the, in, the in the Roman 12 gifts. But I had a very, very domineering, controlling mother. And the thing is, though, the way I had to deal with that, I wound up dealing with it within my own gifting. So you might become even stronger. And I got a really choleric kind of personality as opposed to somebody who was a mercy person under a domineering parent, might totally retreat. So even the way you overcame and tried to, you know, deal with things are probably going to still be inherent in your personality type and even your motivational gifts. So that's, a, that's a, another clue. Another thing is thinking structure. If any of you have heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf, 
She is a neuroscientist who works with how the brain works, how we think. She's a believer. And she just came out with a book called The Gift in You. And she has seven functionalities of how you think. And so uh, there's intrapersonal, interpersonal, kinesthetic. Like a lot of kids with ADD are actually kinesthetic learners. They have to move when they're learning. If they don't, you're going to stop their thinking process. So personality tests, if you've ever taken any of those, Florence Lee Towers tests, all of that is kind of given, can be adulterated if there's a lot of abuse in the background. But eventually, you will find that you will become frustrated or things won't work for you if, if you're even functioning out of history that hasn't been resolved because it is going to work against the gift that you actually are. So that's another way of, of looking at it. So your natural ability. Another thing is love language. That tends to be very innate. So, you know, if you're somebody that needs somebody to remember things and do things for you, but the other person has a completely different expression of love language, you're like going to be, you know, banging your head. And that's why it's important to learn what the other person's about because that, that's how you, you yield to each other, especially in a marriage. Okay, so let's go to the next one. I'm going to try not to be late. I have to win. Fifteen minutes. Okay, I'm zipping through. Let's go to the next one. Passion. Passion is why do I desire this? That's, it answers that question. Give me some ideas of what's passion, desire in you. Anybody ever been passionate about anything? She's very passionate about art. She sits here and draws through the entire service. Okay, that that's innate, but but it, so it comes by design. But it's also her passion to do it. Well, that would be your Roman 12 gift. That would go back to design more than it. it your design is causing your passion. Well, hospitality is one of the Roman 12 gifts. Yeah, sir. Uh huh. Um, yeah, if you're built to sing, basically with passion, it's where you're willing to put your energy. It's where you're willing to endure. And Tracy gave a great lead-in for this whole thing because she's pursuing a career because it's her passion to pursue it. And our friend Lance Walno has a statement that I always quote, it's where you're willing to endure the contradiction of what you know you're called to, but maybe you haven't had all your doors open up yet. Uh, so are you going to expend your energy there? Are you going to be willing to not do something here because you have a passion here? Like she was saying, she's going to give up time to spend time with the Lord and read because that's a core passion. And that gets into values. Because if you tell me, I have a passion for the Word of God, and I'm going to ask you how much time you spend in it, and you tell me 15 minutes a week, then that is not a true value that you have. And your values definitely become your passion. How about soapboxes? Anybody have a soapbox they get on? Things that really... Yes? Yeah, probably. I mean, Mm-hmm. 
show them the four opposite because it's, it's that I believe that has kept a lot of people at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Well, I would make a note of that because that's going to clearly reflect a core value for you. Well, it does because it's your value, and so you have a passion for your value. An example, how many of you have ever seen Chariots of Fire? Eric Liddell, remember, he, he was a missionary, and that was part of his passion, but he said, I have to run. I'm born to run. I can't help it. i got to run every day. That's an identity of core passion. Okay, so is everybody understanding passion? What about if something drains you? Drains you. You find it's an energy drain, like I was talking about. Yes. Yeah. It's like when you wake up in the morning. What do you want now? Not coffee, but <laughs> that can be a passion. But you know, what do you look? You know, sometimes Saturday. Oh, I'm so glad it's Saturday. Why are you usually glad it's Saturday? Because you can squeeze in the things you really are passionate about if you have to work a job. Hopefully, we're hoping that eventually your job is going to line up with your core gifting because then you're passionate all week. <laughs> what if you have lost and you can't, you don't really know what that passion is anymore? Well, that's part of what we're going to uncover. That's what we're going to uncover. We're, and, and another thing in passion is your dreams, what you daydream about. Now, if you find you don't daydream, if you find you don't have vision, there is probably what we call a dream buster going on, and we have to identify it and look backwards and say, when did the dream die? And for a lot of you, you had identity dreams when you were children, when you were playing. I, uh, it's embarrassing, but I'm going to give the example. I was like, I don't know, first or second grade, and I used to walk two blocks to school, and I would just imagine that I had a line of people behind me that I organized, and I put in order, and I told what to do, you know. And I had no idea, but it was because I had leadership calling and administrative calling. I was just doing what I knew to do, you know. Even when you play with your Barbie dolls, you know. Are you sitting back or are you the one doing the work? You know, <laughs> All these things are little clues. And so these are the things we're going to harvest, and that's one of the key things we're going to do in the homework this week. That's why I'm spending a lot of time talking about this. Um, okay, real fast. We're going to go now to the next one, which is calling. Okay, this is the question, where is the master sending me and to whom or what am I called to impact the world with for Christ? Any thoughts? Uh, do you believe it's important for everyone to become fulfilled as individuals I do. I do. Because when it says you are the temple of the Lord, uh, that is a plural word. Okay? You're a building block individually in the temple of the, the Lord. And if your building block, this is something I was talking about next time, but if your building block is chipped away or cracked and we start... Um, just draw this real fast. So if, if we have these building blocks, right, and this is the temple, right, and let's say your building block starts getting eroded, and it, maybe it just starts crumbling and you come out. And then let's say this one gets eroded and it comes. And these people are not fulfilling their purpose and you're trying to build even a church. You ha you're not going to have much, much of a wall. And that's going to break down the defense system of the church. 
If you're in your zone and you're in your life purpose and you're doing what you're called to do, that's also going to be the area of your favor. And when you're in the area of your favor, yes, you will have a certain amount of warfare that you may be dealing with because you're taking land. But if all hell is breaking loose for you, you've got to start looking at, am I even walking in my life purpose? Because you shouldn't have that much warfare. Your favor follows your life purpose. So don't be looking for somebody else's favor because when you do that, you know, and that's just places where people get jealous or get envious, you're not going to have favor there. You know, I'm a networker, so I tend to have a lot of favor of connecting with people and meeting people and linking people. And I just have favor in that area because I'm called a network. But it, it's not anything, it's not like they want to be my best friend necessarily, but that's just an area of my favor. So, yeah. In terms of what about relationships? Well, that, that may get more into why are you reproducing relationships that are negative? That has, you have to start looking at your history. Are you replaying out negative patterns of behavior? And when you do that, partly, you know, it says that we are what we think. So as we think, that what is what gets drawn to us. It, it's, it's, it's almost a quantum experience. So if we're not thinking right because of past behavior, you're going to draw the same kind of behavior still to yourself. So that's a little bit different, but it does affect things. Yes. I'm trying to be on time. Your calling or your passion is the breakdance. Uh, and when I, when I say that, I know that my original calling I conceived was always to cause people to come into who they're called to be. That's always been right. one of the help people become everything that they're called to be. Right. It has changed over recently, or it's always been a second thing in there, was anything that comes in my way, uh, which everybody which is a negative feeling that comes in your way. Right. Something stops you. I want to break through it. Yeah. You're tenacious. Boy, yeah. I want to cut through it. You want to cut through it for the other person, you mean, like if there's a wall or toward yourself. That's fine. Okay, so that's, that's probably part of a core value for you. Yeah. And so what, what, <laughs> what's the question? What's the question then? The, the, the question, what if, if, you're, if your calling is breaking through, you are going to have uh, uh, problems, things becoming the roadblocks, obstacles over and over. Yeah, because you have more the pioneer, you're sort of the front. Guy, you're the Daniel Boone cutting down the hedge for the people behind you. Yeah, that, and that's true. You, you, you will have that, but if you're in where you're supposed to break down, you should still have favor to break through. In other words, if you're on the right trail. But it doesn't mean it's easy. And favor, I mean, to me, is more than things being pleasant and nice. It's the joy in your heart when you do what you're supposed to do. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's part of passion, that you find joy in your passion. But the other thing uh, to say to that is that um, where you're doing this breaking down, I had lost my train of thought because you had said something, and then when you said the joy, I lost it. But um, let me think about it for a second because I had something I wanted to say to that. Yes? Um, isn't that type of, of gifting that Gary's talking about, the breaking through, isn't that what allows us to get to a point where we're, we're, we're perfectly led 
by the Spirit. Yeah. The, the closing argument we were saying before, to get to the point where we're hearing more clearly from God, is right. Yes. Where we actually get to the point where we're hearing from God for our life purpose and, and etc. Yes, and some, it depends on how much recovery you're doing too. But what I did want to say to that is, when you have an apostolic type calling, which is usually one that is going to break through and build, your own authority should be breaking it through. When you're standing in the place of your authority, that should bring it down as opposed to having to do a lot of external type warfare stuff. Um, and, of course, also when you're carrying a church, um, it's the church that's breaking through, not the senior pastor that's breaking through. And so, though, like Gary may have an apostolic type of authority. He has a pioneer. He's got the gatekeeper thing. I, I have the gatekeeper thing. I understand that. But if I have people behind me, I can only take corporately what everybody else is bringing to it. I will definitely have the extra plowing thing ahead of me. But if you're not standing in your own life purpose, if you're not standing in what you're called to do, if you're not bringing to the table what you're supposed to bring to the table, one man is not going to take it. That's the wall. Exactly. That's the wall. That's done. And this is something we're going to really talk about more next time. Yeah. I've got to be, watch for my time. Do I have an extra five minutes or not? Okay. I have a question. Uh, when it comes to calling, like, is your calling revealed in the future or? No, I'm going to finish. I'm going to. T- I'm going to tell you right now, because of the time. Because I don't have time for more questions. Because I have a couple more things. Okay. This is whom you're called to. Do you see how there's a space between the dotted line and the heart? I don't know if you see that, right? That gap, your heart is who you're called to. That outer border is you're serving somebody outside yourself. A lot of times with life purpose, we're we're thinking only about ourselves and what me, my, and I, you know, kind of thing. This is where you are reproducing yourself and others. This is where you're impacting the world for Christ. This is where um, you have a cause that you're drawn to. Often you'll find where you have authority to speak or where you have favor or where you have a voice. In some places I have more of a voice than I have in others. It's because it's connected to the calling. Everybody understand that? Right. And that, that, there's a factor of timing that we're not talking about here that we'll get to that has a lot to do with that, too. Because often God is spending more time preparing you than he is putting you in the place of your calling. And most people, that's where the enduring the contradiction is. Why is it taking so gosh darn long? And so with Paul, he spent 17 years away from the other apostles. Think of it, 17 years away from the other apostles to get the download from God so he could take the final status of that New Testament that we read that didn't have that mixture of the the law and grace, but that was fully grace. But he had to hear God for himself in that alluring wilderness phase, and he went from being the chief, you know, of, of the law makers, you know, as it says in Galatians, you know, I, I was the chief of them. And he goes from being a Pharisee of the law, chief Pharisee, to being the one who most talks about grace in the New Testament. So that is a type of calling. He went from what he came out of and is taking people out of what he came out of. That's why he could go to the Gentiles. 
Who, who could have, how could he have possibly gone to the Gentiles when he was a Pharisee? There's just like no way. Okay, so that gives you a little bit of an idea. Some other examples, uh, Desert Streams, Andy Kaminsky, you all know him, came out of a lot of sexual brokenness, now delivers others into it. The guy that started Alcoholics Anonymous started as an alcoholic. These kind of things. These are where weaknesses were turned into strengths. Okay, and the last thing is allegiance. And this is very key because this is about lordship. So what kind of things, this is whose you are, who you belong to, who is ultimately you're serving. So how, how can we know when somebody really has said Jesus is Lord, what, what does that fruit look like? How would you know? So some of the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. And that a lot of that comes with maturity too. Well, that's always what they're about. It's when they're, what, it's what they're about. Because everything is about the kingdom. Their value, their core value. All those things line up about the kingdom rather than themselves. Right. And um, I'm, I'm going to, this is where you make a choice. So you're going to be a vessel of silver or gold, or you're going to be wood, hay, and stubble that burns. Okay, because you make your choices, and those choices have eternal impact. Okay, this is where you live an incarnational life. You display Christ-likeness. Uh, one question I want to ask is, what do you think the definition for success is as a believer versus the world? You look like you have the answer. <laughs> well, um, How do you think it would different? be different? Well, the definition of success as we, as I understand it in the world is that, that you become known around your circle, that you achieve things that you want. But the way I understand success means the kingdom of heaven is that you reach the highest point in which, you know. You're fulfilled. That you are fulfilled okay. in life. Okay. That, that you are Okay, and one of the scriptures I'm thinking of is when Paul says, I count all things as loss, but for Christ. So success in the world is about what we get and or what we're doing. Success in the Christian life is who we become, ultimately. Doesn't mean you're not going to be doing things. Doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. But God will make a choice often, and he'll take you into a wilderness. So, excuse me, that you can become something rather than do something and he will often make that pattern of choice for you because you've one day somewhere in the back when you forgot you said you know lord anything i'll do anything i submit to you and we forget we made that statement okay all right real quick we're going to go through um next one okay what i wanted to say about this do you notice the prior angel to show real quick the prior angel go backwards See how it has life purpose at the center and God's will at the bottom. God's will represents your allegiance. If you have lordship, you're saying, Lord, I submit everything to you as your will. Okay? Now, now we have God's will in the center of your heart. That's saying, I make you Lord. I make you Lord of my future, Lord of my life, Lord of my purpose. And I'm, by making that the center of your will, you're going to walk out your life purpose. But what happens... When we, messenger with our wings, do this, 
we say, okay, we put our life purpose back on your cross. We are submitting it. We're yielding it to you. Not my will, but thine be done kind of thing. And then we allow God to choose how we walk out. So every messenger, every one of you with a life purpose will have a cross to carry for that life purpose. That means you're going to have to endure the contradiction. That means you may have suffering. That means you may have wilderness time because by saying God's will is at the center of my heart and my intention, you're saying I am willing to endure the process to become who I need to be to live out that purpose. Does everyone understand that? Okay. And I, real quick, I'm just going to show them the last one there. Uh, so the definition of a Christian's life purpose is the energy of passion channeled through experience and design expressed through a God-given calling in continual submission to God. And that's the allegiance factor. Um, this one, I was going to go over Jesus' life purpose, and we don't have a long time, so I'm just going to show real quick. Uh, I don't have time to ask you. Jesus in experience, his history, he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was the word made flesh. So his experience prior had everything to do with him coming here. By design, he was the son of man, son of God, last Adam. He was the life, the light, the image of the father, the word made flesh. So he was designed to be who he came to be. In passion, he humbled himself. He gave up his qualities of deity for our sake, right? He, for the... Um, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That is a core passion scripture. It's a passion week. That's why it's called that, because that's what he came, came to do. And in terms of his calling, he came to destroy the works of the devil, to be our savior, to be an heir. He satisfied God's wrath, and he brought us back to the Father. So that gives you a little idea of the cycle of life purpose. I want to take you through real quick couple of things. Let me show you this. Um, now, if you want this chart, you actually have to purchase it, but you can do it on your own paper. But basically, at the end of our time, you are going to be filling out this. looks like an atom, doesn't it? <laughs> You're going to be filling out all these categories and understanding how all these things in your life and all these categories converge and bring you to a core life purpose. I just want to take you through your homework real quick. I'm sorry I'm rushing, but I want to make sure I'm on time. Uh, we are going to be doing a, a conference call once a month between the sessions. So if you are questioning your homework or anything like that, and if you have any questions about the homework, shoot them to Karen. She'll shoot them to me, and I'll add them to the list to cover on the conference call. I won't answer you each individually by phone, but we'll cover it on the conference call. And um, so make sure you start your homework earlier in the month rather than later. The next sheets, the Q&A, there's quite a few questions there. I want you to do these, do as many as you possibly can, because this is beginning the exercises of how to be reflective, how to look back on your life and get clues. So be thinking of that as you answer the question, how does this you know, affect my design? And then um, the two other papers, L4 and LR4. These are going to take a little bit of time. I would say give yourself two hours to be safe um, to answer these before we meet next month. 
This is where you're doing the first stage experience. You're going back over your history. When you read L4, it'll explain each of the categories to you and how you fill those out and how you're supposed to look at that in a reflective process of your own history. So this is where you begin to mine the treasure. It does take time. Every client I've ever given it to always said they needed a little more time than they thought they needed because, again, you're only going to get as much investment out of it as you put into it. Any questions? Okay. You can put the outcomes in. Uh, participate in this and this today. They'll be able to pick up the message and the copy the notes on the on, uh, under podcast on the website. Stuff that uh, we got on the PowerPoint that uh, Sebastian's got, so we put that on the website. That's, that's what's going to be on there. Okay, so this is basically, you can look at that. That is what we're going to be covering as we do these sessions. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe we can get them done in three. It may take four, but I'm hoping we can do them in three because um, we're doing it in a group. And what we'll probably be doing is I'll be talking for about a half of the time and then you'll break up in groups for the other half of the time. So if you don't do your homework, you're not going to be able to contribute to your, to, you know, your other, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's what I just explained. L4 is looking at your history and experience, and it explains the categories, and then LR4 is where you write about them.